Good morning, everyone. Friends, let's uh, take a look at our, our scriptures. So, friends, our first reading, um, Moses is not going into the promised land, and uh, that we know why, and that's for another time to talk about that, but he's not going. He is nearing the end of his days on earth, and uh, in doing so, he's urging the people uh, to be faithful to God, be faithful to what God has said, be faithful to the precepts he has put forth. And very wisely, uh, Moses said, do not take anything from it, do not add to it. Why? Because the way God has set it up already is perfect. Those precepts are not burdensome, they actually give life. So he said, leave them alone, just do them. And uh, um, we know that uh, we call it the Ten Commandments, but they did not call it the Ten, ten, the ten Commandments. It's known as a Decalogue to them. It's part of the uh, books of the Torah. And they were precepts. So I want you to remember what was going on. The Israelites were coming out of captivity from the Egyptians. While they were in captivity, they picked up a bunch of bad habits. And God is saying, You are my chosen people. I am your God you will not act like the other ones. You will act accord. Uh, you're going to be mine, and I'm going to show you. So he leaves these precepts, and that's how they understood it. The Decalogue are precepts. And they weren't finished. There was 10 given. Uh, in the end, there would be 613 of them total between the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And uh, um, that way we understand what's happening uh, with this. St. James, in our second reading, unlike St. Paul, St. Paul wrote letters to, to particular communities, Corinth. St. James does not. He's writing an open letter to all the followers of Jesus Christ. And uh, he puts forth uh, very particularly, it is not enough just to listen to the Word of God. You must put that Word into action. And uh, as we hear from the psalm, uh, not the one who hears or thinks about justice. The one who does justice will be in the presence of God. And so St. James would say, uh, I will show you how faith and action are put together and how uh, faith is supposed to do something uh, besides enrich your brain, right? It brings you close to God, as does the, the commandments, uh, they were housed in the tabernacle and moved with the people. And this indicated the presence of God, the closeness. In our gospel, uh, we see what happens uh, in practice when they did not heed what Moses told them. Jesus tells the Pharisees and the scribes, uh, they have substituted their own precepts. Now, that is known as the Talmud. This is very particular. Uh, gee, if you don't know this, it's not going to make much sense to you. So Jesus is actually referring to the Talmud. The Talmud, uh, and I'll get more deeply into that, had hundreds of little precepts and rules to help a person. And Jesus is saying, you have substituted the Talmud for the Torah. The Torah is divinely inspired word of God. The Talmud is contrived precepts of men. And so Jesus is saying now, and just because the man wrote it, he said, there's a problem the way you're looking at them. And uh, uh, he said, now you have forgotten uh, what the Word of God is. You have forgotten the law of Moses. 
and, uh, and you have made these other things more important. Uh, and he said, in this way, they have now become a problem, and they are getting in the way uh, of God's laws given to you. So my friends, then we look at the scriptures, and what we find is a very interesting tension then between the first reading and the gospel today. And so we have to look at it, what is going on. And they're dealing with the issues of the law and how they are to be interpreted and how they are to be applied. The readings, you have to understand the readings arise in very different historical times. So uh, the book Deuteronomy, what we were hearing um, there's something else going on. This final book of Deuteronomy is edited and put together, uh, and remember, it's divinely inspired, of course, uh, to address another problem. What is the problem? The very same Israelites have been living in Babylon, and they are beginning to pick up the bad habits of the Babylonians. So the book of Deuteronomy is written uh, to and compiled to remind them of the laws and the tradition of Israel and the people and to call them back to faithfulness to God, the one true and living God. Babylonia had many gods. Well, none of them exist, but in the Babylonian minds they did. Um, so it was absolutely essential in order uh, for the Israelites to continue to exist as a nation, to understand who they are, that they had this. And after their return to Jerusalem, uh, they were also having an identity crisis, so the book is helping them. So Deuteronomy takes a very positive attitude towards the laws and the traditions of Israel and actually goes further, commends the very careful observance and it goes even further as we heard, how wise are you when you do this? The gospel today comes from a different time period. It, came, it comes 500 years after Deuteronomy was written. And during those 500 years, the words of Deuteronomy had been taken to heart by the religious leaders of the people. And uh, they embraced the idea uh, that devout observance to the law of Moses was essential for all worshipers of the God of Israel. And this is the only way that you can make him happy. Are you following me? In fact, in order to ensure total observance of the law of Moses, they imposed these hundreds of extra regulations. They had a, he uh, uh, they had a, a side name for it. They called it a hedge around the law of Moses. And um, here's their idea. Their idea behind it wasn't bad. It just got skewed. So if the people observed the Talmud followed all these other little rules, it was believed then that it would become very difficult for those people to break the law of Moses. So we're, not, so we're talking about the Torah versus the Talmud. And um, it was good in theory, but it didn't work out. For the culture of Jesus' time then, a devout Jew was the one who followed scrupulously these regulations. But over the years, these rules had begun to undermine the very spirit of the law of Moses, which was to bring their heart to God. 
So it's, we must understand what's happening when Jesus is speaking. They had forgotten about what was essential, really. The careful observance of regulations had replaced the religion of the heart. I'm using that word religion because St. James used it in the second reading. That's what he referred to it as. My friends, and it's not difficult to understand how this happened uh, because it's much easier uh, for the, I'm going to refer to the people of Israel now, it's much easier for them to come into the temple, put their money in the temple box, and then leave. It was very easy for them to show up for the Sabbath as required. It was very easy for them to show up for the festivals. Who doesn't want to show up for a festival, right? Forgetting exactly what the festival represented. Oh, I'm just a party. I'm going to that. I'm supposed to anyway. They weren't to eat pork and other foods. That's really easy to do. So Jesus says, no, 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 not that. He gives a list. He says, here's what you need to deal with if you want to glorify God. Deal with your evil thoughts. Deal with your unchaste behavior. Theft and murder and adultery and greed and malice and envy and arrogance. You see, they were being told all they had to do is show up and drop the money in the box and leave, and God is happy. Do you agree to that? Do you see something's wrong with that? That's not how it works. <laughs> My goodness, if it was, guess who you're going to be with in heaven? The atheists, because they can drop money in a box quickly and with not a second thought about it. So observance of the regulation was presented as the less demanding substitute for religion, for the true worship of God. So I had to ask myself, how much has changed today? Not a whole lot. It is true still that in discipleship, one must learn how to govern one's own selfish desires and ambitions and greed and thirst for vengeance and gossiping and murmuring meaning getting control over your tongues. That is much more difficult than you coming into the pew and leaving your money, isn't it? If you just come in and leave the money and walk out, you know, God love you, I'll be praying for you, but if you think that makes God happy, I don't know what Bible you've been reading, because it's not the one that I read. We must come to church and be ready. We must come to church and have hearts open to the grace of God. We must come and want to walk in holiness. Jesus' criticism on purely external acts devoid of true faith or mechanical observance of precepts is still as valid today as it was back in his day. Jesus had a word for it. He said, hypocrisy, hypocrites. On the outside, you do one thing, but on the inside, it's a totally different thing. And our Lord spoke about hypocrisy a lot. He had a great distaste for it. His words challenge us to examine, then, our ways, our hearts, our minds. What are we thinking? What are we doing? What are our attitudes? In fact, many Christians have not really come to the terms with the demands of discipleship with Jesus Christ, the demands of the religion of the heart, of true faith. Hmm? It's hard for me as a pastor to say this, but many, many devout Christians 
uh, as long as things are going well for them, remain so. But as soon as they suffer some loss or injury or some perceived injustice, out goes the gospel teachings, and they become what I call baptized heathens. They begin acting like crazy people. My words. Not acting like disciples of Jesus Christ, but acting like a bunch of pagans. My friends, what Jesus was alluding to uh, is the distinction between the Torah and the Talmud. As I said, the first is divinely inspired and the second was written by man to try and help men out. Women too, of course. And we have to look. When Jesus quotes Old Testament, we have to understand, he throws an Isaiah quote out. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are not near me. They worship in vain, teaching as doctrine their own laws. Isaiah was talking about the hypocrisy of his time. Jesus is using it, so he's talking about the hypocrisy of our time. Jesus is not condemning traditions, if you will, um, in and of themselves. That is not his criticism, because he himself kept many of the traditions what the Lord criticizes is the traditions that are cut off from the faith that gives them their very life and meaning. These traditions do not automatically make a person holy. Just by coming in and sitting in the pew, that's not going to make you holy. Holiness and sin, as Jesus told us, are inside the human heart of the person. The teaching of our Lord is trying to instill um, that our tradition should express and renew and deepen our faith, leading to the glorification. The tradition should remind us and express who we are and what we are called to be. Now, there are many types, and I've been being very distinctive about this. There are traditions. One of them is uh, some families, children get to open up one Christmas present on Christmas Eve, right? But not all. That's a tradition. There's nothing wrong with that. It's nice. What I'm talking about are religious traditions. They can never be cut off from the faith, which gives them their meaning and their life. And in reality, like I said, we all have traditions. We're surrounded by traditions. We humans are made up of water and flesh and blood and bones, and that tells us what we are. We are a human. Traditions tell us who we are. I remember the traditions of my mother and my father. And of my grandparents, especially grandmas, my grandmas. On my vacation, I thought about them. And it helped me to recenter myself about who I am in that family context. So um, everything uh, about traditions uh, tell us about family and community and meaning. And then it's transmitted through tradition. Traditions communicate who we are. So for us then, let us take a look at our Catholic traditions and make sure that they weave faith into our daily lives, that they support our faith and they help us to grow closer to God. They must never be held or done in a way that they do not aid the faith in us. And we have many traditions in our, in our beautiful church and have applied correctly. They contain certainly badges of Catholic identity and that's not bad, that's good. 
because in this world it is becoming more secular, more and more as each year passes. So we need these things, kind of like what Moses is doing, putting these things in place to remind you who you are. There ends of traditions such as these, they are to weave uh, faith into our daily lives. These customs and traditions we have should assist us in sustaining our commitment to Jesus Christ. In this, they give glory to God the Father. We should respect and embrace then our traditions of faith. And they are how we stay close and are rooted, and they are very tangible and, um, and uh, real for us. We should take to heart St. James' words. Humbly welcome the word that has been planted within you and has the ability to save your soul. Be doers of the word, not hearers alone, deluding yourself. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for others in their need. And then finally, to keep oneself unstained from the world. Amen.